The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky thing, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program, we turn our attention to the um, book and author uh, called Forgive Us by uh, E.T. Gunnerson. And it's a uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi thriller that spans three time periods with four characters, each fighting for their future. E.T. joins me by phone. Hi, E.T. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Um, This is your first book, but there's a prequel already in the works. Oh, yeah. uh, So the prequel is called Abandon Us, and it um, happens before Forgive Us. And kind of shows the world before, during, and after it falls apart. So it gives the viewer a different uh, view of the apocalypse that is uh, shown in Forgive Us. And I, um, I finished that maybe, maybe on Friday. So now it's, <laughs> now it's going into the edit work. How long did it take uh, Forgive Us to go through the, the gauntlet? It took Forgive Us and a year to be finished from chapter one to the end. And then it took another year of trial and error, learning how to get it edited and get it published and get a cover and, you know, writing blurbs for like Amazon and stuff. Um, Abandon Us took seven months. Did you, um, now in, in the process, it, this is a tough time. I mean, going through the pandemic and, and trying to reach out to, uh, reach out to people um was it was it kind of tough or do you think it was tougher than normal or or was it just going to be tough no matter what Mm, 
so doing like author work is inherently tough because it's kind of like writing the book is your own discipline. You have to treat it like a job. You have to get out, you know, get to your, you know, pencil or you know keyboard or however you write a book, and you have to write it. And then, then you have to get editors and getting like getting people to work on it. It's kind of expensive, but it's also you know kind of hard because you have to you know look around and be careful of you know who you get. So um, I don't really think the pandemic did anything different since it's all online. I don't have to go meet anybody. It doesn't you know uh, it doesn't really affect you know online stuff. So I I'm assuming it might have been different, but I didn't really um, go through the process before the pandemic. So is forgive really us your concerning. first is forgive us your first published book yeah and if i'm if i'm reading the notes about you right you're 18 years old yeah i'm turning 19 on september 8th well it's a little early but happy birthday um thank you et the uh which which made it a little tougher getting editors and and working through the publishing process um being a first-time writer or being so young mm, i think it's being a first-time writer like i think writing is kind of like it doesn't come natural to me i'm not like naturally gifted it's just kind of my thing it's something i enjoy so i think it's just the first time doing it is difficult you gotta learn the it's a big learning curve, right? On how to how to get a book finished, how to you know how to even like write an entire book, like the order which and you know every everything that goes into it. You just have to. For me, I kind of like fell into it. It just kind of like I finished the book and then, oh, you have to do all of this to get the book out. You're not you're not done. Like, okay. <laughs> that's that's true. Um, in in writing the book. Was it, um, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out just how daunting a task that is. Some people have a very detailed outline and they just, they work from that outline. Some people sit down and, and they start writing and they sort of binge write and it, it pours out almost like the story is telling itself. What was it like for you? Oh, this is a really good question. So the way I started writing was actually through something called text roleplay. So I would go on things like, you know, forums, um, games and stuff. And essentially you would write a story with somebody else by replying in paragraphs, describing a story, describing something. So it's like paragraph after paragraph of replies between two people where you would build a story. So I was very used to creating a story out of nothing and really good at flowing. So when writing Forgive Us, I at first started really, really slowly, like a few chapters, so I just kind of came out. And eventually I realized, like, I don't really have a goal. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a way that I wanted to end the book or where to go. So I created something that has been really revolutionary for my writing, which is, at that time, I called it Octoplan, because... It involved finishing the three storylines of the story with eight chapters, therefore octo. And it has been involved, it has involved into something I call the Twinkie plan. Um, essentially, I just create a layout of 
chapters of how many chapters I want and what I want to happen in them. And really, they're not really complexly described. One of them is one of the chapters I've like written. Um, you know, I've written like 14 pages from it based off of like five words. So it's really simple. Like this is what should happen during this. And oftentimes, like you know, what I write in my notes for what should happen, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes the book writes itself. Sometimes characters don't like my plan, and then you know, <laughs> we go in a different direction. Which uh, which came first, ET the uh, the storyline, and then you cast people in it, or the characters, and then you come up with what's likely to happen to them. Um, really. So what comes first for me is actually the world, because I love, love world building. So the world is, I think, it's been, it's been a long time. I didn't really, uh, back then I didn't take notes of the world because I was writing in a different world for a different uh, book series that I'm going to start after, like the Odomark series is finished. But um, the world came first, and then the characters, and then what's going to happen. So it Forgive Us went through a few, like, stages of things happening. For example, the first chapter originally was entirely different. Um, it was actually just the main character sitting in the shed thinking, and it was windy outside, and nothing happened. So I'm glad that I rewrote that chapter. But it's world, characters, story. Yeah, that... that 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 opening et no offense but it doesn't exactly sound like the boulder rolling through the cave in indiana jones <laughs> <laughs> no it's not funny at all the new the 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 current um opening that you can find and forgive us if you were to buy a copy um it's you know it's it's, it's pretty good it's not the best opening ever but you know it has action it has you know it has details it's it's way better I have the original, original, original copy of Forgive Us, and it's like, oh, it's so much better. Now, you uh, focused on three different time periods, 2099, 2154, and 2185. Basically, three different generations, uh, 70-plus years from now. Um, does, it, does it make it easier if you're writing about a future that you can determine? Um, I think it's just, I'm not... Or is it maybe more free? I'm not extremely skilled at realistic stuff. So one of the struggles with my new book, Abandon Us, was that it occurred in a time before the apocalypse where there's still civilization and still cities and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. So that was a struggle for me because I, you know, I, I never really lived in big cities in my life. I don't really like big cities. So writing that was like very difficult and it's, it's still being edited right now. For example, the amount of times I say street in Abandon Us is immense, uh, just immense. So writing forgive us is easy because it's something it's something otherly um which is something i find really easy for example i originally started uh when i would learn was learning how to write and stuff i originally started medieval fantasy which i think for me is the easiest because most 
free. I don't have uh, lots of rules. I don't have to be super concerned about realism. I, you know, I do have to be concerned about realism as in why characters do things, but uh, characters can fat cast fireballs, and that's awesome. And Forgive Us is awesome because, you know, you have these tribes, these people, like, that start civilizations and they fight, and, you know, it's something big and immense that I can be allowed to write in fiction, something that wouldn't be able to really happen in this world, but can happen in the world of Forgive Us. So I think it's a lot easier, you know, the the, the whole thing that is, the whole world that is Forgive Us is really just an easy platform to write post-apocalyptic fiction for me. In this, um, in this, this, uh, future that you've created actually three futures you've created um is is there a need to have it seem plausible that that because you're you're talking about the aftermath of a, a downfall uh, driven by this the search for energy and technology and, and a polluted world, is it, do you have to be concerned about how we got there when you're there? Yes. So, Abandon Us, the reason I wrote um, a prequel secondary, because the next book after this prequel is going to be the, uh, the sequel to Forgive Us, it's going to be in the future after Forgive Us. The reason I wrote the prequel first is because I really wanted to show what happens to the world, why it happened, like, why everything fell apart. And I also wanted to do something very special, which was humanize a um, dehumanized villain and Forgive Us, which I won't reveal who. They just <laughs> weren't given the proper character treatment. They were really just there, being bad and bothering the main character. And you know, what's important to me, which is in, in like, in post-apocalyptic fiction, for example, if you ever played the games, The Last of Us, like 1 and 2, the characters, the enemies that are very human, they have conversations. If you're, like, sneaky up on enemies, they have conversations, they express thoughts, you know, they're, they're people. So, and forgive us, you know, I was very careful to avoid words like raider or looter, some kind of quote-unquote other in um in the wasteland which you know is very much seen in like in the fallout and the fallout series you have you know raiders and looters you know the the wasteland bandits and then they're the other they're not people which allows you to kill them take their loot and sell it at a village so i was very <laughs> careful to make sure that you know forgive us the the people who attacked each other are not raiders they're not looters they're hungry, too. They're thirsty, too. The wasteland air makes them cough, too. You know, they are people, right? They get sick. You know, they're hungry. They, they, you know, they will take from you not because they hate you, not because they're malicious evil, because they need it. E.T., I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Of course, of course. That'd be great. My guest is E.T. Gunnarsson, author of a new book, Forgive Us. Its prequel, scheduled to come out in early 2022, is Abandon Us, and we'll have more of this futuristic world 
in the very near future. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Pody. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue talking about the uh, dystopian thriller um, called uh, Forgive Us, written by E.T. Gunnerson, and E.T. joins me by phone. E.T., welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. That's good. I'm glad to be here. Um, just before the break, we were talking, well, during the last segment anyway, we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, trying to get a book out during the pandemic. Um, and then it, it occurred to me during the break that you've been schooled at home and online. Was that something that you have always done or something that happened because of the pandemic? Um, it's something I've done for almost all of my life, I was taken out of, what was it, I think, first grade. Um, I was taken out of first grade to be homeschooled. And I was homeschooled up until I moved to Texas, uh, where, you know, at that age, I was entering high school. So I went from being homeschooled to online schooling. And I did online schooling for, well, high school. And I graduated last year in December. So I graduated slightly early by a few months. So now, I, uh, you, I was, you, sorry. I, I was just going to add in there that you have something called dysgraphia and can't write yeah. by hand easily. I, this is the, I've never heard of that before, E.T. Is it, um, what is it, how does it affect you, and, and is it fairly common? Um, I do not know if it's common. Essentially, it's a, it's a writing disorder where writing with pencils and pens on paper, especially in like, you know, the English alphabet, the Latin alphabet, is hard. Um, the way one would write their name on a piece of paper in a straight line, I can't do. I'll go up and down because I'll start writing the letters kind of like randomly. Um, so instead of like in a straight line, it'll be like up and down, kind of curvy. Uh, it's painful for my hands, uh, especially after years of doing grappling arts. My hands won't be so great anymore. So it hurts. It's difficult to write. Um, I'm really, really slow writing by hand. And what's interesting is I can easily use a keyboard. That's how I write my books. Um, I know keyboards so well that I can spell probably hundreds of words I actually don't know how to spell on a keyboard. But if you ask me to spell them with, like, a pencil, I wouldn't be able to do it. And, and you say um, grappling training? Yeah, I do, like, judo and jiu-jitsu, which are grappling sports similar to wrestling, a little bit different because they have submissions and that kind of stuff. And you... Um you trained with the uh, judo and Greco-Roman wrestling teams at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. What was that like? Um, <laughs> I don't know how old was I when that happened? I think I was like 13 or so. The OTC was very, very interesting because you have, you know, doing Greco-Roman wrestling versus the judo there is kind of like two, two polar opposites. Like, the Greco team was like, they they had full-time Olympians there, you know, they actually had really 
really powerful people who, you know, you know, they were real athletes, like, you know, people who, you know, just going in there was had air about it. It had an air of like, you know, this is, you know, this is the top of this sport here in the United States. And then the judo team, um, at the time, the coach was not super great. I don't know if he's still there, but um, they didn't really produce Olympians there. And they had, like, the adult class, like, they had a kid's class and an adult class. The adult class was all, like, black belts. But um, really, the OTC for judo produced Paralympians, which are, like, blind judo Olympians, which can and will kill you. Don't don't mistake their blindness for weakness. They will kill you. But in the normal Olympics, like the General Olympics, um, the Olympians in judo are produced in the East Coast with people like, um, mm. for people who are interested, uh, Jimmy Pedro is one of the people who produces judo Olympians. And if anybody watches like the UFC, I think Ronda Rousey came out of Jimmy Pedro's clubs, but I don't remember that. But it was... It was exciting. It was intense, you know. It was kind of like, you know, a young 13-year-old judo player with, like, all adults who are all black belts, extremely <laughs> good at judo. And, like, you know, really, like, I, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm not small. I'm, like, average size. But I'm not, at the time, I was not extremely, you know, I had not started growing a lot yet, so I was really small. So just imagine, like, a little 13-year-old with probably some of the largest, strongest men you have ever seen. Like, <laughs> not like bodybuilders or like, you know, right. like the Olympic lifters, but just physically capable of crushing you. Because, you know, instead of lifting, they lift each other, and it's just, it's terrifying. Their upper bodies are so strong. Uh, but Greco was helpful because, well, it's a, it's a very close sport. It's, um, it's kind of top-heavy where they're, the chest press against each other, and they try to lift each other. They can't grab each other's legs like in wrestling. So that kind of closeness I employed in judo, which uh, became very annoying to the black belts, because in American judo they don't fight extremely close. So it was it was fun. Well, Colorado Springs wouldn't have been that far off because you grew up in the Rocky Mountains. How did you end up going to Texas? Hmm. Just opportunity. My father got a new job. Um, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity here in Texas. There's jobs, there's education. All that kind of stuff drew my family. And also, it wasn't cold, which uh, my family does like a lot. Um, so Texas was, we just came here for opportunity and found that it treated us very, very well. And Texas, you know, kind of started small here and then you know, built a lot here. So, yeah, it's just opportunity. Now, it's interesting that in the um, uh, in the year 2099 in your book, um, you, you reference the Rocky Mountains. Do you use uh, um, existing places in these new worlds that you create? Um, it depends on what kind of world it is. So, forgive us, you know, happens in the post-apocalyptic United States. So, I do use things that are kind of, like, in my head, neutral. Like, um, like if I'm using a city with characters in it, I don't name the city. But if I'm using it to reference a character's history, 
like where a character is from, then I'll use a real city name. Like I used Austin and I used, oops, sorry, uh, Denver as, you know, real places where characters are from. And I also use like the Rocky Mountains. But um, when, when the book escalates and there's wars between growing like wasteland cities and they're, they're in like an old world city, I don't use the name for that city. And I kind of did the same for Abandon Us. I'm still contemplating whether or not to give the cities an Abandon Us names. Um, so far, I have not. I just refer to it as the city. And did you know when you started writing that you were writing a uh, series or a trilogy at the very least? Uh, no, not at all. I, I have attempted many times in my life to start a book before forgive us i would start a book maybe write a chapter or two or five and then i would give up and then i would do the same thing again and again and again it would never really succeed and then eventually you know i was thinking like how oh, i'm thinking too complex like just just do it right so i wrote a chapter for forgive us then i wrote another chapter and then i wrote a third chapter and then i went back to the you know i, I divided them immediately into three Storyline. So then I went back to the first storyline, and then you know I told myself like I think this is the book. This is the one that gets published. This is the one that starts everything. And I was right. And, and then where in the book? I I always talk to writers that write um, a trilogy or a series, and wonder if they get to the end of the first book and think to themselves, "But wait, there's more," and then it becomes a trilogy or a series where in the book did you start writing the prequel abandon us that comes out next year um so when when did you decide there was going to be more to this than one book so i want to i i finished forgive us before i had even thought about writing a series um and really like i it was it was people like asking for it. like people would get to the end and be like, more please, can I have more? Can I have some more? Please, sir, I want some more. And you know, I I also you know I write short stories, so I haven't published any. I've considered like putting all my short stories together into a book for people to read. But I had this idea for a short story in the world. Forgive us of a man surviving alone in a skyscraper. And that was the seed for Abandon Us. And, you know, I thought about it, like, you know, at the time I was, I, I like to study games and stories and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, stuff like Fallout, Mad Max, like Last of Us. I, at the time I was studying them. And slowly but surely I came up with the idea for a, a prequel for uh, Forgive Us. Um, the reason I wrote pre prequels because I thought it was necessary. So it just kind of came and I realized like, you know, I should continue the series. People love the series. I need to go back in time to show people, you know, something, something important for the world. How, how you got to uh, the point that, yeah. that uh, Forgive Us um, picks up. Why these people are hungry and cold and freezing and the world sucks. <laughs> Um, are you an avid reader? Are there writers that have inspired you? Um, 
I have many favorite authors. Currently, I don't read a lot. Um, sometimes I read. Uh, really, nowadays I read for um, for like I read like history or something for my religion. So I don't I don't read a lot of fiction anymore. When I was younger, I, you know, I read a few fiction books in my time. Um, my favorite author is Tolkien, who maybe one day I hope to kind of get up there as a high fantasy author when I start like my high fantasy series. Kind of want to be up there with Tolkien, but Tolkien's one of my favorite authors, really, because a lot of modern fa fantasy pop culture wouldn't exist without Tolkien and Middle Earth. So he's he's one of my favorite authors. But really, I after writing Forgive Us and going through the process of editing, I find it really, really hard to read a fiction book without staring at it and be like, I want to fix this. <laughs> I have like the editing mindset or like, you know, like I would do this maybe differently or, oh, that's, you know, I, I think about it too logically. So I have to absorb uh, fiction books in a different medium. Like I have to have an audio book or I have to, or I have to play a game or watch a movie. Like I was recommended The Road in one interview and I think The Road is a book. I just was like, no, I can't. I can't read a book. I'll watch the movie. And the movie was great. It was very sad and depressing and dark. But, you know, just I had to absorb it that way. Like, I can't, I can't read fiction books anymore. So all I do nowadays when I read a book is read stuff for my religion. Now, you're going to be uh, going to college online soon. Um, have you already made up your mind that, that you want to work toward being a full-time writer? Uh, yeah, that's something I would lo love to do as a job, you know, just, I really, really enjoy it when people read something I write and just love it, right? Because I, you know, I love stories and stuff. I love, you know, fiction. And I imagine people who write really famous fiction feel really good about it. And, you know, I feel good about when people read my stuff. So, you know, it's a it's a job that isn't easy. It's not too hard, though. It's just, you know, it's 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 me, right? It excites me. It's something that draws me. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a doctor because as soon as I put a syringe in somebody's arm, I'm faint. Um, <laughs> or, you know, I wouldn't want to be an engineer. I'm not really a math person. I don't really like, you know, constructing complex math stuff like architecture and stuff. I used to enjoy the structures and building because of Minecraft and stuff, but, you know, it was it's easy in Minecraft because you don't have to calculate anything so it doesn't collapse. Um, Do you think so, uh, becoming a full-time writer is feasible? Are you getting the kind of feedback from uh, from this first book that that um, is encouraging to you? Um, yeah, a lot of people like the book. I don't see a lot of negative. I don't think I have on Amazon. You know, you have the star ratings. I don't think I've gotten a one or a two. I've gotten a three, and they never left a reason. So I just completely disregarded that review. It's the only review that left three stars. No, no valid reason. So, just somebody who is spiteful. Um, but I, I think it's possible. It's sort of like a lucky thing, right? It's not. It's not something I expect to become super famous for. I would want to. I would hope that I can become super famous from it. But it's not like I expect to become a Stephen King or a Tolkien. It's something I hope. But it's not something that I can't do. For something, the mo for the most part. Um, Et the phone or the um, 
process of writing is uh, very solitary. Um, do you find ways to interact with people who have read your book, and and do you enjoy that part of it? Mm, I I I would love like I if I could talk to more people who read my book, um, that would be great. Really, I don't get too much interaction from readers. You know, I get a review or I like we like the the group the company that it, you know publishes forgive us in my company uh well our company me and my father's um we send out copies of forgive us for professionals to review people to look at you know every you know they those people like read the book and they come back and they go oh, this is wonderful this is a great book this was exciting um so you know i if i could talk to more uh would, readers would- that would be great but I love that. I just like Would you enjoy readers. being able to, you know, get out and do um, book signings or, or book readings, uh, you know, public appearances at, at bookstores and things? Is that something that you see yourself doing as you begin to promote your books more? Um, I can do that. I would, I would certainly do that. I would love to do that. Um Maybe signing 500 books in a day might be hard, but it would be something I'm willing to do. Um, I wouldn't, if I were to read the book, like do a public reading, I wouldn't do it super serious because <laughs> I'm not an excellent uh, storyteller vocally. But I would like to do that. I would love to, I would love to really finish the series so there's no more books that I can spoil, so I can really like answer people's questions in full. Because some <laughs> questions I can't answer, like I can't answer questions that ask too much about abandon us because that'll spoil the book and people are not allowed to know about it yet but you know people who ask questions about forgive us that's fine um you know like i, I can spoil forgive us because they read it you know so um i would i would love to do that in the future um in creating the the world that you look at in uh, in Forgive Us, and again, it's over three different time periods, so there are changes to that world. Um, but the biggest change starts really at the beginning, when you're in this uh, post-apocalyptic um, era, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. When you're putting that stuff together, um, how much of it is is a comment about your own philosophy about sustainability and and how we treat the planet? So my writing isn't extremely political. It's not like you know I write this specifically for the message. I write it to tell a story. But there's a good portion of it is and it's a it's a demonstration. It's a it's a show like. Um, Earlier, like, you know, in the early times, like, the first storyline, the earliest storyline of Forgive, Forgive Us, and before that, you know, the world is is disgusting. Like, there's huge pollution haze in the sky. Like, you can't see the sun 24-7. Sometimes it comes out through cracks in the haze, but you can't really see very well. Buildings are stained, literally stained with pollution. Like, you have to power wash. If you want a building clean, you have to power wash it. And it'll become stained over, like, a week 
And then, are you familiar with, like, in snowy areas when they make um, snow piles? When they, like, shovel yes. it up and put it in big piles of melt? So, in earlier times, before the, the apocalypse and stuff, there's so much garbage that it piles up in huge piles like that in cities. Yeah, I've... And there's uh, just garbage um, everywhere. Yeah, my show is based in Michigan, <laughs> so I'm, I'm familiar with... Uh, snow plows and sludge and <laughs> huh, awesome i used to live in colorado so i you know I, I miss i do miss snow but after the ice storm here in texas ah, but um yeah so it's just like like the kind of the message is like you know there's not it's not a super message like you know you don't have, i don't want people to be super crusading about it but just like simple things like basic recycling don't be filthy and throw out your garbage on the side road like how often do you drive on the highway and just see garbage the entire highway length like in in texas like you can you can drive down a highway and just see garbage for like miles and miles and miles it's not like you stacks but still like little plastic and you know mcdonald's bags and stuff and it's just like it's disgusting nobody wants that or like when you order something from Amazon, it's like a tiny object, right? It's maybe like five inches long, not super big, but it comes in a box and it's been wrapped and that box comes in a box and that box also comes in a box and in between all the boxes is wrapping and peanuts and all that kind of stuff. So it's just so much wasting garbage for such a small object. Like I have, True. you know, I have, I have like, you know, maybe right next to me I have a container of sunscreen. This would probably come in two boxes. Like, it would probably create four times the amount of garbage than the actual object has mass. Hey, E.T., so, we're almost uh, out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and the book and, and what you're up to. Do you have a website? I do have a website it's called draggypress.com, which is B-R-A-G-I-P-R-E-S-S.com. Um, you can find Forgive Us on Audible. You can find it on Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, just all those sites. Um, you can find Forgive Us. Most importantly, I think people should buy Forgive Us from Audible and Amazon. Well... E.T., thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. I really appreciate it, and good luck to you with the book and uh, the future books. Thanks for inviting me on. I've, I really enjoyed this interview. All right. Take care, E.T. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was uh, E.T. Gunnarsson, 18-year-old post-apocalyptic thriller author, author of uh, the book um, Forgive Us. And the prequel to Forgive Us is scheduled for release in uh, early 2022. It's called Abandon Us. We're going to take a uh, short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, Our Voices Radio in Flint, 92.1 LPFM. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And if you ever miss an interview, you can always check the archives out at TomSumnerProgram.com. 
So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. We'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner program right after this. Hey! <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. We're up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. She wheels her wheelbarrow through streets that are narrow. Her barrow is narrow, her hips are too wide. So wherever she wheels it, The neighborhood feels it. Her girdle keeps scraping the homes on each side. In Dublin's fair city, where girls are so pretty, my Molly stands out cause she weighs 18 stone. That's 256 pounds. I don't mind her fat, but It's not only that, but she's cockeyed and muscle-bound, Molly Malone. I know a man, his name is Lang, and he has a neon sign. And Mr. Lang is very old, so they call it Old Lang Sign. <laughs> oh, what have you done, Billy Sal, Billy Sal? Oh, what have you done, charming Billy? You took almost every cent from the U.S. government, which you spent on fertilizer, which is silly. All day, all night, Cary Grant. That's all I hear from my wife is Cary Grant. What can he do that I can't? Big deal, big star, Cary Grant. Oh, the moon is bright tonight upon the car wash. So I'm having my Volkswagen washed again But the way things go with me, the way my luck runs Just as soon as they're finished, it will rain (laughs) On top of old Smokey, all covered with hair Of course I'm referring 
Who's smoking up there? Here's a famous old folk song that you all know entitled Aura Lee. Every time you take vaccine, take it orally. As you know, the other way is more painfully. My grandfather's clock was the best ever made by the Timex Company. Just like the clock John Cameron Swayze displayed last night on the old TV. Oh, it works underwater so perfectly, and it still makes a ticking sound, which my grandfather tried only this afternoon, and that's how the old man drowned. Do not make a stingy sandwich pile the cold cuts high. Customers should see salami coming through the ride. Oh, I diet all day and I diet all night. It's enough to drive me bats. Got no gravy or potatoes, cause the whole refrigerator's full of polyunsaturated fats. Fairly well, Metrical, and the others of that ilk. Let the diet start tomorrow, cause today I'll drown my sorrow in a double malted milk. Oh, when you go to the delicatessen store, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. I repeat what I just said before. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Oh, buy the corned beef if you must. The pickled herring you can trust. And the locks puts you in orbit. A-OK. -okay. But that big hunk of liverwurst has been there since October 1st. And today is the 23rd of May. So when you go to the delicatessen store, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. It'll make your insides awful sore. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. I remember the night mom was pounding on her drums. She called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're gonna drive. And daddy heard the commotion and came, came in tap dancing, playing his six string. And they both looked at me and they said, son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't drive. If you've been drinking beer, don't drive. If you're talking on the phone, are bald and it's starting to snow. Don't drive. If your foot can't reach the pedal. Don't drive. If you're wearing no apparel. Don't 
it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests on the show today starting with this last hour with uh, 18 year old post-apocalyptic thriller author E.T. Gunnarsson talking about his uh, book Forgive Us and the prequel which is scheduled to come out uh, early next year. Um, also want to say thanks to um, the uh, author of a book for uh, uh, preschoolers, the Teensy Weensy Virus book and song from Sherry Rose, who uh, is a retired pediatric and family nurse practitioner. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun conversation, but uh, a real fascinating one, which I um, hadn't promoted ahead of time. Um, I had someone else scheduled, and we weren't able to connect, so we got to hear the interview I did yesterday with Cheryl Diamond about her book, Nowhere Girl, A Memoir of a Fugitive Childhood. Fascinating story. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, go to the website and uh, check out the archive and uh, look for uh, Cheryl Diamond. It'll be up there shortly. Uh, In the meantime, uh, Armchair Politics tomorrow. And uh, I'm heading down the hall to the living room, but I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.